Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. Today, I want to talk about a very important aspect concerning the kingdom of God. Now, the Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, the 17th verse. Now, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verses 18, but we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image, into the same image image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the lord again it says behold we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the lord we are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the lord hallelujah when you become born again, you inherit a kingdom. Isn't that so? When you're born again, you inherit a kingdom. You come from the kingdom of men into the kingdom of God. You disconnect from the ways and kingdoms of this world, and then you are translated to the kingdom of God. Colossians 1.13 says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness, and he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. See? When you are born again, you're not just changed in your heart, in your mind, in your thoughts, and in your character. God says you are delivered from the power of darkness, and he translates you. You're not just delivered from darkness, no. He delivers you from the power of darkness. Not just from darkness, but from the power of darkness. And he translates you or changes you, metamorphoses you into the kingdom of his dear son. So when you become a born-again believer... You inherit a kingdom. And the Greek word there for kingdom is actually realm. You're introduced into a certain realm. Albeit physically, there might not be so much change in how you see, but something very phenomenal has taken place in the spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. Something very phenomenal has taken place in the spirit because you are born again. You access the realm of God by right. So, the Christ has a realm. Like everybody else has a realm, the Christ has a realm. You see? So, in our salvation life, we enter a particular realm. And the realm or the kingdom of God has characteristics. The kingdom of God has characteristics. You see? And so, when Jesus Christ is on the earth, he starts to give us ideas, several ideas about this kingdom. So, you'll have a full picture of what this kingdom of God is. See, for example, he says, oh, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. 
you know. It's not meat and drink. But it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's a characteristic. That's a characteristic of the kingdom. It's not meat and drink. In other words, it's not just about the satisfaction that you receive from appeasing your human appetite of meat and drink. Because some people, when they drink good and eat good, that's enough. But it says, beyond that, I come to give you righteousness. Beyond that, I come to give you peace. Beyond that, I come to give you joy in the Holy Spirit. These are satisfactions, but they are not given by what human things can give. You see what I'm saying? By what drink and meat can give. This is a different kind of satisfaction. Do you know how satisfied it is to carry the peace that passes all understanding that God's your heart and mind in Christ Jesus? Do you know how many people in the world don't have peace? Do you know how many people in the world don't have joy? Well, they smile with their faces, but their hearts are bleeding and cut. Do you know how many people have walked with suicidal thoughts? They feel they don't even belong to this world. They want to die anytime. You find a young man, he's healthy from head to toe. He's not sick. And the next day, he's in the newspapers. He committed suicide. Why? Because he does not have peace in his heart. He does not have joy in his heart. The righteousness of God that is given unto us, that is imputed unto us by faith. David says, blessed is the man of whom the Lord imputeth not sin, but he imputeth the righteousness without works. Do you know just how much that does to you to know that you're not righteous by your own works, but you are righteous entirely by the faith that you have in Christ Jesus. So it's a characteristic of the kingdom. In another account, he likens the kingdom of God to living. You see? The kingdom of God is like living. The moment it's put in the door, it permeates the whole door. Once it steps in a place, it continues to consume and take over. It occupies. These are all characteristics of the kingdom of God. And he gives us another characteristic. He says, flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So when we're talking about this particular kingdom, it's not connected to your flesh. It's not connected to your blood. It has nothing to do with your physical blood. It has nothing to do with your flesh. It has nothing to do with your body. So the elements of your body... The elements of the blood that is flowing within you has no connection with his kingdom. He's trying to give us an idea. And in fact, he comes and emphasizes, if my kingdom was of this world, then my folk would get spears and pangas and fight for me. But my kingdom is not of this world. So yes, he's the king of the universe. He's the king of the world. He's the king of the Jews. But which kingdom are we talking about? During that time as he's speaking, the Jews are under Roman rule. You see? So he has to be very, very, very clear. That my kingdom is not of this world. And therefore, the way I fight is not the way the world fights. You see? They come with sword and spear. And the Son of God comes through Jerusalem sitting on a colt. A donkey. These are not fighting animals. The beasts of burden, yes, but they're not fighting animals. He's the Prince of Peace. He comes to bring peace. But in there is the salvation of mankind. The kingdoms of this world win by fighting and killing. The kingdom of our God wins by laying down his life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, today I want to give a very beautiful emphasis concerning the kingdom of God. And I recall that not many have actually taken time to actually think through this. That as according to what we have read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this kingdom is also a kingdom of glass. 
It's a kingdom of glass. It's a kingdom of mirrors. It's important for us to understand how that works. Because if you don't understand that, you will not walk in the power and glory of liberty. The Bible says, whoso the sun sets free, he is free indeed. The Bible says, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The end of every man is freedom. It's to be free. It's to walk in the liberty of the spirit. To be free. To be free to live the health that you believe God for. To be free to live in the provisions that you believe God for. To be free to function in the wisdom that you believe God for. To be free to build what you want to build. To be free to run the ministry that you so design God. To be free to have the marriage that you need. To be free for anything that is available for you. God has made us and created us to be free. Human beings were not made to be bound. They were not made to be bound. It's not our nature. Look at what the lockdown did to people. It was written everywhere. I read an article in the UK and the suicide rates went high. They increased by the day because people would sit in these homes and they are alone. And yes, it was for the good. The government was trying to save lives. But in there, they discovered that as people were locking themselves up, depression comes and stress and all these other things and they commit suicide. They lose the meaning of life. But they're just in walls. Just four walls. It's just in a house. They're not in prison, but it's enough to disturb a man's brain. Two or three weeks ago, I saw a fellow in the United Kingdom who went and surrendered himself to the police and he said, I cannot be under lockdown. Just, just arrest me. You see? Because human beings were not made to be bound. There's something that we're just not made for. It's not just something that is comfortable. And that is why in prison, it's punishment. You see? But yet they have to isolate an individual for that time for the good of the society. But what that does to the individual, if it's not the work and grace of God, it could kill them. You see that? Now, if we are talking about the kingdom of God, like I emphasized, it's a kingdom of glass. It's a kingdom of mirrors. You see that? If you read the verses before, he speaks of how the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And no wonder now the next line says, to emphasize our liberty, because we are open-faced, we behold as in a glass the glory of God. And because we do that, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. And the Lord is that spirit. So what's the end of our transition from glory to glory? That we might attain the full completion of our liberty. You see that? The completion of our liberty. The fullness of our liberty. That's the end of every believer. That's the course that you're supposed to have. You're supposed to live and die free. You know, we have had a sense of Christianity that has not only allowed, but has provided and appeased suffering as sacred. If I suffer, then I'm good before God. If I'm sick, I'm good before God. If I'm poor, I'm good before God. Somebody says, you know why I'm poor? It's because I refused to be corrupt. No, the better. The fact that you refuse to be corrupt 
is the very reason why God should reward you. Because God rewards a diligent seeker. God rewards truth. Somebody shout hallelujah. We reap what we sow. Amen? So I don't believe in the mindset. And I know why. Because certain people in their sufferings, because of their ignorance and the place that they're in to provide for their insecurity, they import doctrines into the church. You see, they import doctrines into the church. And those doctrines then by many are deceived. Many are deceived because of that. And so Christianity is supposed to be a life of suffering. It's not supposed to be a life of suffering. Why did Jesus suffer? Tell me, why did he suffer? He says something very big. He says, the chastisement of your peace was upon me. You see, the chastisement of your peace was upon me. The chastisement of your peace. The discipline to give you peace was paid by me. You see, so regardless of what happened, I refuse not to have peace in this world. I, I have to walk in peace. I have to walk in victory. Paul saw it. He says, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. And he maketh manifest the Sabbath of his knowledge by us in every place. He makes us triumph. God is a God who intends to make you triumphant. In fact, he says he always causes you to triumph. That means there is nothing ahead of you that you will not win. Or rather, there is nothing ahead of you that you must not win. There is nothing ahead of you that you should not win. There is nothing ahead of you that you shall not win. There's no negotiation on that. He always causes us. But we have to see through that. The challenge is it's hard for somebody to contemplate that, to conceive it in their mind when they don't see through this glass. So the kingdom of God is a realm of glass. In Proverbs, the 27th chapter, the 19th verse, he gives us that allegory. He says, as in water, face, answer is to face, so the heart of man to man. Or if you read in the Amplified, as in water, face answers to and reflects face, so the heart of man to man. Here he's giving us an experience of ministering from heart to heart. You see that when two hearts are connected, they are like a mirror, you see? And the responsibility of that mirror is really the glory of reflection of whatever image it carries. Praise God. But we're going to go a bit deeper here. It's simple physics. If you go back into the mirror, the kind of mirror of the kingdom is not concave, it's not convex. Eh? No, it is a natural mirror. It's flat as is. And because of that, you have... Just two rays to discuss if you're discussing physics. You're talking about the incident ray and the reflected ray. What is in front of this mirror? What is behind that mirror? Whatever is done in front of this mirror is what is reflected on that mirror. A reflection cannot contradict the incident. It cannot. There is no way. There is no science. It just doesn't happen. If you stand straight in a mirror like that, you're going to stay straight in the mirror like that. If you move your hand, your hand will move. Real time. You see that? If you don't move, nothing moves. If you close one eye and one eye is open, it's exactly what will happen. It's a simple law. The law of reflection, so they call it. Now, it's important for us to understand this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the 12th verse, he says in the Amplified uh, Version, 
He says, for now, we are looking in a mirror. This is Paul saying, now, not yesterday, but now, we are looking in a mirror. This kingdom is of a mirror, and we have to understand how and what appears when we look into a mirror. He says, and that gives only a dim, blurred reflection of reality as in a riddle or enigma. But then, when perfection comes... We shall see in reality and face to face. Now I know in part, he says imperfectly, but then I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the same manner as I have been fully and clearly known and understood of God. I shall know myself even as God has known me. Why? Because I have looked in the mirror. He's talking about the end of every man, which is perfection. Well, we are in the process. And everybody sees from the place where they understand God. You see what I'm saying? Not all of us see through this mirror the same way. Not all of us see through this mirror the same way. Or probably, let me say it simply. Not all of us understand the word the same way. Do we all understand the word the same way? No. We have different degrees. There's a fellow who's just gotten born again yesterday. They should not understand it like a fellow who has walked with God for 10, 20 years. That differences, isn't it? Now, Paul explains a process where we continue in the perfection of this vision. And he says, when we get into that perfection, what is riddle and enigma in its blurness, it starts to become a clearer and clearer reality and experience. God is not intending to speak to man in riddles. You see? He says that when I speak to prophets, I speak to them through dreams and visions. Isn't it? But he says, but that's not how so I speak to my servant Moses. And he says, for I speak to Moses face to face. Don't think that in that experience of that conversation, there is no mirror. Because this kingdom is a kingdom of glass. There is no way man can have a face-to-face experience. Or like I read in Proverbs, as in water, face, answer is to face, so the heart of man to man, without the experience of that mirror. You see, the kingdom of God does not work that way. He says, as in water, the face answers to the reflection of another face. He's saying that's how it works. So yes, he says, that's not how I speak to Moses. He says, I speak to him Face to face, mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the Bible says, and the very similitude of the Lord does he behold. So he says, not in dark speeches, in some versions, not in riddles. So yes, God can actually speak to a man in riddles. See, in the days of his walk on the earth before his death and resurrection, the Bible says he spake in parables. And without parables, spake he not unto them. So the disciples come to Jesus and ask him, why do you always speak to these fellows in parables? Why don't you tell them plainly that when you do this, this happens? I mean, they are callous, many. Many are indifferent to your way. Already the language of God seems more complicated if it's hidden in some sort of conversation. And this is how it was. But he still spoke in parables. So God is telling us that in our primary places of experience and relating with him, we can hear him, understand him through parables, riddles, enigmas, 
But those are places of imperfection. And then he even emphasizes the places of the prophetic and he says, you know, in visions, in dreams, and all of those are okay, but they're not the end of vision. They're not the end of vision. Be not deceived that if a prophet or a man of God, or any believer has a good vision or a dream and it comes to pass, that that's all as far as God will ever speak or minister to you. No. As you continue to be exposed to the liberties in the spirit, you realize that there are higher realms of vision. There are higher places in which God can and will appear to you. That's how it was with Moses. God never spoke to Moses through dreams. Hello. Yet he speaks to us through dreams. The Bible says that in the middle of the night when men are asleep, he openeth their ears and sealeth instruction that he might rob man of purpose and pride. So yes, God speaks through dreams. God speaks through visions. You could be there and you have a vision. So when you're sleeping, you can have a vision. Or when you're awake, you can have a vision. But regardless of that, he says, that is not how I spoke with Moses. The message Bible says, I speak with him intimately, in person, in plain talk, without riddles. He ponders the very form of God. The Bible says he ponders the very form of God. He sees God as he is. And so we see that there's a way God communicates to us when we see him as he is. We are elevated beyond the glory of just dreams and visions because there is an understanding that comes with seeing God as he is. There's a foreknowledge that is defined in him that can only come to our understanding. Look at the Holy Spirit. You have an action from on high, the Bible says, and you know all things. Why do you know all things? Because you have an action from on high. If the person of the Holy Spirit can bring you to the knowledge of all things, oh, do you know all things? Are you sure you know all things? You would say in your natural sense, no, I cannot claim to know all things. Paul said we know in part. We prophesy in part. We see in part. But Paul has emphasized that when the perfect comes, when the perfect comes, the imperfect is dealt away with. You see, when the fullness comes, the part is dealt away with. Now, some individuals get that portion of scripture to assume that that perfection can only be the day you die and then you stand before your Lord. And I beg to disagree. Why? Because Moses did not first die to see God face to face, to speak with him, you know, mouth to mouth. Moses did not die first to behold the very similitude of God. You see what I'm saying? But God is trying to bring a conversation here that there are two men in every man. There is that which is physical. That one cannot see the Lord. Flesh and blood, hello, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You see, that is the man formed in Genesis 2-7. For out of the dust he formed man and breathed into him the breath of life in the nostrils, and that man became a living soul. That man, in his physical sense, cannot see God. He will die because the glory on the Father is so big for our flesh. It would melt. You see, all flesh, the Bible says, is destroyed. It's melted in the presence of God. So it's not the way of God to get your natural body to put it in such an anointing. It would destroy you. You see that? It cannot glory. He says no flesh can glory in the presence of God. But there's a man in there. Genesis 1, 26, 27. And now he created man. The Bible says in his own image and likeness. And created he them, male and female created he them. You see? 
That man of Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that man is not of the flesh. Because God is not of the flesh. God is a spirit. The Lord is that spirit. You see what I'm saying? The Lord is that spirit. That's the encounter that Jacob has. See, when he wrestles with God, we meet a fellow in him called Israel. You see that? We meet a fellow in him called Israel. So you see, in the Old Testament dispensation, the quickening of the awakening of such experiences was on the exclusive individuals in the Old Testament because he needed to raise people exclusively for particular purposes in every dispensation. So you see it work on Moses, but you can't claim that it was alive in every man at that time. You see that? When we're talking about this kingdom of God, we're not talking about your flesh and your blood. We're talking about that other man, that inner man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image, the Bible says, of him that created him. You see? That inward fellow. Now, there are things, and let me emphasize this, that sort of darken our vision as spiritual beings. One of which he gave an example of the law. You see? In that very portion of Scripture in Corinthians, he's giving an example of the law. He says that every time Moses is read, if we'll go back here, let's begin from verses 11. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use plainness or speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the Bible says, remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. Which veil, the Bible says, is done away in Christ. But even as unto this day, verses 15, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Every time Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. That's when now the next verse says, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And that's why then he comes to us, the church, and he says, but we all with open face. Our faces are open because they are not veiled by the doctrine of Moses. You see that? So any man which still preaches Moses cannot understand what we are saying. Any man which is just taught of Moses cannot understand what we're saying. It is strange. What is he saying? It's enigma. It's riddle. It's confusing. This fellow is sharing something I don't understand. Because he beholds another doctrine. There's a veil on his face. His eyes cannot see as he should see. But when a man understands Christ, why Paul says that when I was among you, I sought to know nothing and be acquainted of nothing and be conscious of nothing, save Christ and him crucified. Why? Because every time we reveal Christ, the veil is taken away. And when the veil is taken away, our eyes start to behold God as we should see God. And as we read the word, the Bible says we behold like in a mirror. The glory of God. Every time we're reading the Bible, we behold like in a mirror, the glory of God. You cannot define the vision of a mirror or the image of a mirror without light, can you? No, you can't. Go in a dark room and put a mirror before you. Dark room, get a mirror before you and just put it there and watch yourself. What will you see? Nothing. Because you need light to cast 
on that surface to receive the image that you need. That is why when the Bible says that he is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world, it's that illumination to help you stand in the kingdom of, of glass or the mirror to understand yourself fully. You will never know yourself fully until you see through this glass. But we're not talking about your physical self. No, we're talking about your spiritual self. You will never understand yourself fully until you look through this mirror. And the reason why this light comes, your word is a lamp unto my path. What is the essence of the word? When the word becomes light, it illuminates. And as it illuminates, it allows us to see through that mirror. He says, and we behold, <laughs> as in a mirror, the glory of God. Can you believe it? That every time you stand before this mirror, which is the word, you see the glory of God, yet it can only be the reflection. <laughs> Who has understood what I just said? It can only be the reflection of you. Because without you in front of that mirror, you cannot look through a mirror. You are the incident. Somebody shout hallelujah. You are the incidents. He created you in his own image and likeness. His own image. His own image. He did not make you in an image of a cow or a dog or a donkey. No. He created man in his own image and likeness. That's why when Paul understands this perfection, he says that I may know myself even as God has known me. That I may understand myself even as God has known me. Why do I emphasize that? When the Amplified says, I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the same manner as I've been fully and clearly known and understood by God. Why is it important? Because Paul is saying, every day when I look through this thing, as I get to know God, I discover who I am really. Who I am really. I discover who I am really. Who are you really? We're talking about the reality of your person. Not just the supposition of your mind. In James, the first chapter, the 22nd verse, he says something here. He says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. You see? Now the word therefore doers is poetes. Alright? Not just the action, but the poetry. That precedes the action. The learning to speak the word before it even works in your life. Look at what Joshua says. This book of the law shall not depart from your word, your mouth. We expect you to know how to speak it. And thou shalt meditate it in your heart. Isn't that so? And the next verse says that thou, next line, mayst observe to do according to all that is written. He did not say, and you will observe. And you should observe. No, he says that thou mayst observe. You get what I mean? He says, if you learn to speak it, confession, if you learn to meditate it, the pondering of the word, the doing is automatic. No, read the word again. This book of the Lord, Joshua 1.8, shall not depart from your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And the next verse says that thou mayst observe to do. Thou mayst observe to do. Do you want to do the word? Do you want to know how 
to be a doer of the word. He's saying this is how you learn to be a doer. You become a poet of it first. Let me give you an example. If the Bible says by his stripes you were healed, you want to walk in divine health. Before you walk in it, you learn to speak it. You learn to meditate it. When you do, your body will adjust to do according to all that is written. The principle, the pattern of manifestation and doing in the kingdom follows the speaking and the meditation. If you're not a good meditator, if you're not a good speaker of the word, you cannot be a doer of the word. That's why the Greek word there is poetes, the very English word poet. Be a poet of the word. Draw poetry in scripture. Know how to speak a word in every situation. You feel pain. I refuse to be sick because the Bible says that he was wounded for my transgressions. The poet is speaking. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him and by his stripes I am healed. The poet has spoken. And then you're meditating on it. You start to see your body spring to a health. For the Bible says, for your body shall be for the health and cure. That's what the Bible says. It shall be for health and cure. Your body is not for sickness. When you refuse that, when you do that, your body starts to adjust to the word you're speaking. That's a doer of the word. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's a doer of the word. So when James says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. He says, don't just end in just hearing the word. You see, be a poet of it. Meditate on it. Deceiving yourselves. Verses 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened unto a man who beholding his natural face, again, he brings up the conversation, in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth away and straight away he forgetteth what manner of man he was. What manner of man he was. He looked through a mirror. He saw everything that now he's giving a picture, an example of a natural man. But he expects that through that you'll understand the experience of the spiritual man. So he says, if you are not a doer, if you read the word and you don't learn to confess it and meditate it, those two things, you're like a fellow who goes and looks at himself in a mirror, natural mirror, and then he says, oh, this is my face. And then straight away as he walks away, he forgets how or who he looks like. And then he either needs to go back and look into the mirror or everything about him is obscure. It's unclear. He says, it's likened to that kind of man. If you're a person who does not speak, if you're not a good confession person, if you're not someone who knows how to get the word of God into your spirit and speak it, if you're not the kind of person who is not a meditator, if you don't know how to meditate the word, you're like a man who looks into a mirror and when he turns away, he has forgotten who he is. That's an example because he cannot forget that this kingdom is a kingdom of glass. It's a kingdom of glass. And would it then surprise you that the next verse again now brings again the conversation of liberty? And he says in 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, he says, This man shall be blessed in his deed. This man shall be blessed. This man shall be blessed. 
In his finances, he shall be blessed. In his body, he shall be blessed. In his family, he shall be blessed. In his ministry, he shall be blessed. In his career, he shall be blessed. In his dreams, he shall be blessed. In his aspirations, he shall be blessed. In his plans, he shall be blessed. Everything you do will live with the blessing of God on your life. He says, why? Because you have been open to the perfect law, which is the law of liberty. You are free. The language is very clear. It's the glory of God in that reflection telling you, what you're looking at in that mirror is the very image of God and it is free. It is free. Somebody shout hallelujah. That image is free. I met a lady last week and she says, Pastor, I cannot look at myself in the mirror. She said, I cannot look at myself in the mirror. There are people who cannot look at themselves in the mirror. Because if you look at the mirror of the world, it is dark. You've had the adage, start with a man in the mirror. When we look at the mirror of the world, it looks at a man's weakness. It looks at a man's insufficiencies. It looks at a man's failures. It looks at a man at his worst. You see? So you have to separate those two men. So the Bible says when man at his best is all together vanity. That's the two seven. Not the 127. The human heart is desperately wicked. That's the man of the dust, not the man of the spirit. So when you become born again, the man of the spirit is activated. And that's the man that you wore with to kill the man of the flesh. He says, if you buy the spirit, kill the transactions of the flesh, you shall live. But if you live according to the flesh, the man of the flesh, you shall die. What is living according to the flesh? Living according to the dictates of the man of the flesh. You feel headache, you think you're sick. You're going to die. The doctor says they find this disease in you and you take it, you believe it. You're going to die because you're living according to the dictates of the flesh. Go back to that man which has been created in the image and likeness of God. Can that man die of cancer? That would mean God will suffer from cancer. It's hard, but it is true. It is hard again, but it is true. In Colossians 3.10, it says, you have put on the new man. Somebody say, I have put on the new man. Say it. Yes. And the next verse says, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. He's not after the image of him which he created in the dust. He's after the image of him that created him. That new man is renewed in knowledge. The things, the consciousness he's supposed to hold is of the man which was created in the image and likeness of God, not the man which came out of dust. The man which came out of dust is perishable. The man which came out created of God is eternal. That's the new creation. That's the born again believer. And so when you behold like in a mirror, this kingdom is telling you that the end of this word is to make sure that one day when you see in this mirror, you'll have a perfect vision of who you are, who you really are. You know, some say, oh, you know, I'm a small man serving a big God. That's false humility. That's false humility. He that is joined to the Lord, the Bible says, he's one spirit with the Lord. The kingdom of glass does not seek to separate you from the union you have with God. On the other, 
it seems to reconcile you to the union that already exists between you and God. He says, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And the Lord is that spirit. And where that spirit is, there is liberty, not bondage. Hallelujah, glory to God. But you see, some people, when they're looking at themselves in the mirror, it's not clear. The mirror is dark. Why? Because they've received the wrong teaching, the wrong understanding of who God is. Oh, I wish it comes to your full sense who you really are and how you were really made to be. When Jesus looked at you, Oh, he was filled in his heart and he says, these works that I have done, you shall do. And he says, and greater works shall these do because I go unto the Father. When he looked at you, he did not see you do a work inferior to what he did. If he healed the sick, he says, you heal greater. If he raised dead men, he says, you raise greater. If he changed the world, then you will change better because in him you live, in him you move, in him you have your own being. How can you just say I'm a human being? No, you are partly human being, but you also say Christ being. Why? Because in him you live. Listen, Acts 17, 28. For in him we live we move and also have our own being and he says as certainly as your own poets have said it takes us back to the doer he says we are of his offspring somebody shout hallelujah so this means real time whatever light is cast before this incident you. And it moves a muscle as the glory is revealed. It means if you look at your mirror and you see yourself sick, you are sick. I worked in hospital for many years and I noticed something very interesting. A fellow came and he was checked and they said he was HIV positive. There was a claim that he had been exposed. And they told him, but we're not sure about this. If you feel you're not convinced, come back after three months. See? So he went. When he came back after three months, he was skin and bone. We checked him and he was negative. You see that? He was negative. We checked him another three months and he was negative. Another fourth time he was negative. And they said it was a false positive. But the first three months, <laughs> every event of that conception, this is the power of a doctor. And that is why I ask Christian doctors to be preachers of the gospel. Do you know they believe everything you tell them? Do you know somebody can be healthy and when they go to the doctor and get a diagnosis, they start adjusting to everything they've been diagnosed with? This fellow lost weight. He became skinny. I think even started preparing his home. You understand? But he was not sick. But the mind was convinced that it was sick. Now, what you think real time, according to the kingdom of glass, you are. Because like you stand before a mirror and do this and that is done exactly. And you see yourself do that and that is done exactly. The same way that response is, is what you're defining yourself. But no, that's not what God has called you to do. That's frustrating the glory of God upon your life. God is not sick. God is not poor. God is not weak. God is 
powerful. And he has invited you to share in that glory. Jesus said before he was living, the glory that you have given me, I have given unto them that they may be one. Listen, even as we are one, one with what? One with him. Praise God. I in them, he says, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. That's the perfection Paul is talking about that we see in part. And we prophesy in part. But when the fullness or the perfect is come, the part is dealt away with. What's that perfection? The perfection that reconciles man back to God. And you start to see yourself one with God. So, example. The man has fully understood that he's one with God. And he goes to a doctor and the doctor tells him, you have cancer. What would that man do? He will laugh. Thank you. Because it's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. He says, who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed that we are one with this God? This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. It's in a mirror. So as you continue to behold yourself in that mirror, what God is saying is, this word is showing who you are and that I'm one with you. I don't want you to have a revelation of who I am and think that this disqualifies you. No, the revelation of God does not disqualify you. It is not there to make you disadvantaged. It's there to reconcile you with God. Every time you see, oh, this is love made perfect. He says, this is love made perfect. Again, now we're having a conversation of perfection. First John 4, 17. He says, herein is our love made perfect. That we might have boldness on the day of crisis or judgment. Because, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, how is Jesus? So are you. That's how you are in this world. If you understand this thing, it will change the way you see life. You will not be sorry because you're successful. You will not be sorry because you have answers to human questions. You will not be shaken by anything that comes your way. Why? Because you will know that you are one with God. And that humbles you. Because you understand the glory in which he says, I am the head and you are the body. He is the head and you are the body. When Jesus stands in front of a mirror to look at himself, he sees you. As he sees himself. You see? He sees you as he sees himself. Don't let anybody ever sell you lower than the glory that God has invited you to. May your eyes be open tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Raise your hands wherever you are, your voice, and start to pray right now. And receive this word in your heart in the mighty name of Jesus. Just speak uh, those words right now in the name of Jesus. Ancient, long preserved for our walk in this world. There is sound with God's own heart. All let the ancient words impart. Words of life, the words of hope, 
they give us strength, help us call in this world where we roam, ancient words will guide us home, ancient words, it's ever true, they're changing me, and changing we have come, oh, with open hearts, all atheists and words, the but holy words. So by faith, the hand that died to the sage came to us through sacrifice. Oh, he's the faithful word, so Christ, ancient words, they're ever true, they're changing me, changing you, we have come, oh, with open hearts, oh, let the ancient words, sing it one more time, ancient words. Changing me, oh, I'm changing. We have come, oh, with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words. Let me speak these words over your life and your destiny right now at the sound of my voice. That you shall not be a normal man. You shall not be of the predictable sort because God has given you a grid. He has given you a life. He says, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I decree upon your life in the name of Jesus that you shall not be a survivor on the earth. No, you shall be beyond a survivor. In fact, in the very words of scripture, you are more than a conqueror through Christ which strengthens you. He says you shall be the head and not the tail. You shall be above and not beneath. You shall go upward and forward only as the path of the just. The Bible says shines brighter and brighter and to a perfect day. And I decree that as long as you live, you shall keep on shining. For the light of Christ is come in you. You are the soul of the earth, the light of the world. You are the city set on a hill. He said, greater is he which is in you than he which is in the world. You will leave this world a conqueror. You will leave every situation triumphant. Every day shall get better and better for you as your character adjusts, as your way of life adjusts. As your understanding adjusts, as your body agrees to the will and purpose of God, I declare and I declare that this word has been planted so firmly in your heart and you will never accept any deception or any dissuasions that 
deceive you to tell you that you are far from God that you're separate from God you are one with him you are of the offspring of the father you are a son and daughter of the most high God the Bible says we are members of his body of his bones and of his blood I decree and I declare that whatever works in God works in you whatever is triumphant in Christ triumphs in you I decree and I declare that you go strong you go mighty this year is going to be a great year for you this week is going to be a greater week for you the coming years ahead of you are better than the years before you the worst has already happened and the greatest is yet to come in the mighty name of Jesus so set your eyes on things above where Christ is for he says I know the plans that I have for you plans to make you prosper not to harm you to give you a future and hope that expected end he says whether Paul or Apollos whether Cephas things present or things to come he says all things are yours and you are Christ the future belongs to you the way of life favors you things are working for good for you because you love the Lord and you're called according to his purposes give him a mighty hand clap of praise in the mighty name of Jesus come on clap for Jesus clap for Jesus clap for Jesus say I receive it in Jesus name if you are there and you've never given your life to Christ. I want to give you an opportunity. Brighten your world. Give your world light and color. Because he is the light of the world. You say these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.